Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time for the unofficial 40. Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher Josh McQuistian, Eddie Radosevich. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner Recruiting, Eddie Radosevich. It's the unofficial 40 with your hosts, Soonerscoop.com publishers Gary Murdoch and Josh McQuistian, Eddie Radosevich. Well, hello. It's another edition of the Unofficial 40. Carrie Murdoch here with you, along with uh, Eddie Radosevich, as you heard there in the open. A lot of Eddie. That was, that was like triple times. Triple I was like, the Eddie. Am I, am I hearing that too much? Hi, Tri- haters. <laughs> Eddie is the radio star this week. Uh, has been filling in on the franchise. I know people think that's probably like, oh my God, Carrie Murdoch is the franchise. <laughs> but no. Uh, no, you've been doing a fantastic job. Thank you. Pretty soon. Uh, you'll have a radio job probably, and then I won't have to pay you as much. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> did you know that that's what my first boss did to me? This is j- let's welcome in Josh McQuistian. Josh, how you doing, sir? Good, good. I'm kind of anxious to hear the story now. Uh, so my my first boss uh, when I worked for uh, so, yeah, it was a company that owned Sooners Illustrated back in the day. Um, some guy's trying to get me to go on his radio show in Colorado. I'm sure he's a nice fellow, but now he's trying to. I didn't answer him because I was napping. In preparation for the podcast. Oh, no. Now you're getting the strong arm? Uh, or the follow-up he, He's text. just trying to suck up a little bit. He says, by the way, Sooner alum here, class of 91. So I don't know who he is. Probably a fan of the podcast. I want to say, like, are you the host or are you the, the booker? Because if you're the booker, you're not doing so well in life. You know, you know what they used to call guest bookers where I'm from? Receptionist. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the fine bomb guy you got you, you tried to get in a fight with, but I wouldn't let you. I didn't. He didn't. He, I didn't try and get in a fight. I, I don't. I still think he was just joking with me. I, I, I'm going to side on the the side of uh, joking on Twitter. So, yeah. Anyway, my my story, I got into radio. Oh, God. Now people are having to drink. Uh, about two thousand two, I want to say, and and what happened was this is so shady. Like you work for a, and I've been in a fight with a magazine recently on Twitter too, uh, and it's probably because of this history. But like magazine publishers, like even back in the early two thousand, like they're scrimping. Like they're, I think didn't Josh didn't uh, didn't Tim Fitzgerald stop doing his magazine at Kansas State? Didn't they shut it down? Just I believe they did. Because here's and the thing about the magazine industry is you are you are your base your income solely is almost based on advertising sales because you pay so much money to print like paper is so expensive. Like it and it's not getting cheaper. So it like all your costs are eaten up by having things printed and it sounds cheap like Oh, we this magazine costs us fifty cents to make, but you have to print like ten thousand. Yeah, and so then they're sitting on magazine shelves, and you know you're like, when I worked, it's no longer a company, so I get like first down publications. Like they literally would send out 
renewal notices for like one and two year and three year. And if somebody signed a three year renewal because like they were never going to, like the next year they'd send them another three year renewal. So they had two years left, but then they'd they'd be like, oh, I guess it's time to renew again. So they'd have people that were like so far into the future renewed for their magazine that they were probably going to die before they were able to to uh, make good on the 10 years they had. That would have been, uh, you just need to... I mean, there are a lot of really weird things that you do as a magazine publisher to try and make ends meet. I can't imagine. I I don't know. It's been so long since I've actually like picked up a magazine and read one. I guess that's why there's no more any anymore, but... I mean, like Jay Upchurch does a good job with Sooner Spectator. Right, right. But, I mean, he's mainly, I would imagine he's mainly servicing an older clientele. Right. Very much so. And they're all dying off. Very much so. They And you don't have any good paper stores anymore, like Dunder Mifflin, to be able to get good paper. <laughs> uh, the printers do that for you. Uh, so, anyway, I times were tough, and the president of the company was like, oh, you know, people love Kerry Murdoch. Like, he's been working here, and he's, you know, he's, our subscribers love reading his articles. He's getting to be a name. So he literally sets up a meeting with uh, KREF Radio and that he is going to attend with me to talk to them about getting me on the air. And, I, I, and I'm thinking, oh, wow, my, my boss really is working hard for me. Like, he, is, he really wants to see me succeed. But what it was, it turned out with, once I got a radio job... He found out exactly how much it was and then told me he was going to cut my salary by that much a month since I, I had the radio gig. You should have just... Uh, I mean, I was young and stupid and naive. That was kind of uh, that was kind of shady on his part. Well, he was shady. The, I mean, he was a magazine owner. I was just thinking about this the other night. It's like, it really sucks nowadays to be a con man because like other really bad con men over the years have like kind of ruined it for everybody. I think there was something to being a really good con man. I was watching a like a History Channel show a couple nights ago, and it was like, yeah, this guy was this guy knew what he was doing. He was like at the advent of con mans. You ever watch that? Uh, have you seen that that uh, Harley Davidson biopic that they ran like on the History Channel? It was like a series. I don't think so, like about the Harley Davidson motorcycle. The Harley Di- Davidson motorcycle started. Were they a bunch of con men? No, at Indian motorcycles were. Oh, is that like who they were going up against? Well, that was like the big Indian motorcycle was a huge, like that's who they had to. That was their main competition when they first started. When they first started their their company, so I don't know. I I would say suggestion, go check that if you're into like the history of manufacturing and business and like you know Ford, like Henry Ford's even part of that. So like go check that. See, I I want to say it's like something in the Davidsons. Harley and the Davidsons, I think maybe, because the, there were the Davidsons, and then there was a, there was a guy named Harley. And they put it together. They put it, yeah. I think it's called Harley and the Davidsons. Anyway, uh, back to business. Since we know that some people are uh, upset with the way that we do the podcast and the screwing around, I'll be giving out the my winners. Grievances. I'll be giving out my winners here at the bottom of the hour. <laughs> uh, Josh, uh, I guess week one. I guess we should start out uh, now. Let's talk about a little bit about kind of what we've had going on the sites josh your fearless 20 is out uh or you have started it uh any any thoughts on any regrets even up to this point you know the one that seems there's two that seem like they got a lot of backlash and it's addison gums who i picked uh to get at least six sacks in 2017 i think that's 
Mm. That's one of those ones where I, I have to put a few in there every year that, like, really are kind of off the wall, or otherwise it's just stuff that, A, is kind of boring, and B, is somewhat probable. Like, I mean, it, it has to be, like, I want some to be wrong, or otherwise it's it's really just obvious picks. And the other one, I think, is is Abdul Adams. You know, uh, being, I think he's going to lead OU in total yardage this year. And I know we, I even mentioned in the story that we had talked about it on last week's podcast as, you know, how bold is that right now with Rodney Anderson kind of being in and out of practices and, you know, and I don't know how even seriously we take that, you know, if that's a big deal, if that's nothing, you know, there, there's just a lot to think about. So those are the two that I kind of keep coming back to. But I, the one that surprised me that I got no backlash was Robert, uh, Robert Barnes starting three games. Like I, I kind of thought people were like you're crazy. It's starting, you know, freshman safety, but I, I, I don't know. Like I'm not ready to buy into the Will Johnson thing yet. Well, just you know, I saw that at first, and I was like, just the fact that Will Johnson has injury issues or concussion issues, like I could see that. And that's really what it comes down to. I mean, I don't think Robert Barnes is ready to fully process the defensive playbook, but. There's no, I mean, Will Johnson, at some, like they can say, oh, we're taking him farther away from the line of scrimmage, and that helps. And I get all of that. But at some point, he's going to have to stick his head in the middle of a pile. And every time he does it, I mean, history says you're rolling the dice. Well, you know, what's going to be interesting about this defense in the secondary, uh, besides just could Robert Barnes get in a position to play as a true freshman, I think is seeing what sounds like would be Chance Sylvie as the nickel a guy that we've all known about, talked about, but wondered where the hell he was. This would be the first time we really get to see significant playing time for Chance Sylvie. He played a little bit in that Texas game, didn't he, a year ago? I guess in a fill-in role. It just he, it's weird seeing a twenty-eight on defense. It too. is a little weird. It. I think everybody has just been so conditioned to seeing twenty-eight in the backfield. And, and in but another I mean, backfield. Antonio Perkins was twenty-eight the same time that That's when, true. when when Peterson came in. He was wearing twenty eight on D, and they and that was a funny thing because everybody like before then I don't remember Bob ever letting dual numbers exist, ever. Really, I'd never. I guess I I'd never was, thought about it. Oh, like he used that. to be really picky about that stuff. I, they they had and they have they've had a lot the last couple years of big numbers, haven't they? With uh, whether I'm, I'm trying to think of guys, they had a penalty last year because of it uh, in uh, one of the early games, I think. Maybe. Yeah, it was, Curtis Bolton, Dahu Green on the same uh, yeah. punt returner. I think they made Dahu like switch to two or something. Yeah, after I think that. that was. I think that was right. I think that was the Tech game actually, if I remember correctly. But Chance Sylvie, I, I'm excited to see him play. He's kind of in that I, I would consider lost, lost souls group where there's just a lot of people that kind of forget about him, and he's gonna be you a guy that if plays. Just flame out at some right, point, right? And Josh, I know that you you actually went you went down to see him play in high school, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, Sylvie was, no, actually that ended up being a deal where I was the day of his game. I was supposed to go. That's right. And I can't okay. remember what it was. Something came up. It wasn't car trouble. It was some kind of family thing. I had to, I had to cancel the, tr oh, I had friends that came in and they came in a day earlier than they were supposed to. And they were, you know, from out of town and they had kiddos and they wanted to do all this stuff. And I thought, well, okay. And so it was one of the times when, when life got in the way for me, but no, I saw Chance at the Army All-American game, that okay. was, and that was kind of the – I knew I was going to get a chance to, so I kind of that, – that made that a little bit okay to skip that game. But he, he's a guy I've always liked everything. You know, like he's not the biggest guy. 
He's not, you know, physically going to just wow you like some guys might. Like Robert Barnes is really impressive. Um, but with Chance, and I, I remember talking to his high school coach and talking to uh, just various people that have been around him, and it's from the ears up that Chance is really impressive. Like he sees stuff so quickly. And for not being a big guy, that dude is violent. Like I, he, I think that's why the nickel makes some sense for him because he is a guy that's more than capable of coming up and playing run. I think you're going to run out of gas on your fearless because I mean I got to be honest, Josh. These first eleven are pretty pretty impressive. No, you know you don't mean that. You I really do mean I know that. You do. I mean, like you know, the Baker Mayfield one's kind of obvious. Yeah, but you yeah. put that at nineteen. Yeah, I. Well, I wanted. I thought that was one that would get people. Like, I maybe I Baker will call you talking. out. I, you know, <laughs> well, I didn't say anything about his receivers. By the so way, did you know I, that, that? Did you know that Pat Jones came on uh, with us this morning on the radio, and essentially he blamed Kale Gundy for fake news, fake newsing Baker Mayfield. He's like telling him that he's like he's, he's saying that Baker Pat that Jones is saying stuff that he's like not saying. Like Gundy is saying he heard Pat Jones tell say this on the radio. Because uh, honestly, I was listening Both to Pat Jones that day. Me. I was listening to Pat Jones that day, and I don't really remember anything that inflammatory. And what we're talking about is Baker Mayfield coming out and tweeting about his receivers, and then he talked about it this week, and he actually told um, I don't know if Jenny Carlson got him off to the side or if he told the media scrum, but. He said it was Pat Jones. It was something that Pat Jones said that made him tweet that. I just don't under. I think a lot of the time Baker Mayfield, and I think this could probably be fueled by Kel Gundy. They make stuff up so much about yeah. like just building this mental edge. And I think that, you know, obviously Baker feeds off of it. It's something that kind of lights a fire underneath him. And, uh, you know, I guess I can't, you can't tell a guy how to get mentally prepared, but it seems <laughs> like, it just always seems like it's like, I guess if that's what gets you going... More power to you. But we know that's what gets Baker going. He likes he, he wants to have a chip on his shoulder. And let's face it, he hasn't really had that chip since he had his issue in Arkansas. Yeah. Well and he's I, trying to been he's he's been so busy making amends that he hasn't been that cocky chip on the shoulder guy. And I think he's back to being that now. I think also anybody that is touting this wide receiver group as a group that you know, I understand the question marks, but at the same time I don't think they're going to be awful by any means, but anybody that's saying that these guys, you know, somebody's going to be in the Blitnikoff at this time of the year is probably also picking OU to go 13-0. and Like, I, I just, you can't yeah. buy in completely. And as we've been saying it every week uh, when we come on the podcast is the fact that this is a group that is going to have to go out and prove it. I, I try and play it down the middle, and Josh, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, I try and play it down the middle. Like, I mean... I'm trying to be reasonable, I guess, not play it down the middle, but I'm trying to be reasonable in saying they're going to have some issues. My biggest concern is third down. Can Baker find a guy that he can rely on on third down? Uh, I mean, Landry Jones made a career out of relying on Brian Broyles on mm -hmm. third down. I mean, and he's not a – people are going to get mad. He's not a great quarterback. I mean, he's, he's a guy that literally threw to half of a field his entire career. And he had a great arm, and he could get away because he had a receiver like Ryan Broyles. Uh, now, Baker Mayfield is a guy that will throw all over the field, and he's got more weapons to deal with. I just, I, I think they'll be good. I don't think it's going to kill their season, but I don't think they'll be great. I mean, it's just kind of 
the way it is. It's the same thing. Like I hear people talking about OSU, Josh, and it's just like they've reinvented football with some people. Like, oh, they've got four receivers that can all be. No, name me one team ever in the history of college football that won a national championship because they had so many receivers on the field that nobody could handle them. I mean, you go back to look at the Big 12's most recent national championship teams, Oklahoma and Texas. Oklahoma's best receiver that year was probably Antoine Savage. Like In 2000? Uh, yeah, in 2000. Like, Maybe Josh what, Norman? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, you can throw the debate, but it was a bunch of good, not great wide receivers. Look at Texas. I mean, Ramont Taylor was their best receiver. Like, yeah. I, I don't I, – I think – where you win national championships, you win up front. And especially in this day and age, you actually have a defense that can apply pressure and get to the quarterback. Like I, I don't you don't even have to be great defensively. You have to be able to make that quarterback make some fast and bad decisions. But the I mean, whole you look at Clemson, like they're not great, but they they really get after the quarterback. And that's that's why they were capable of giving Alabama so many troubles the last two years. But I keep hearing this argument like about well, you have to consider you have to pick Oklahoma State because of their receivers. Like, no, you don't. Like, you can have like you need to have one really good receiver, which you have in James Washington. But at the same time, you have to have people that can rush the quarterback. You have to be able to run the football. You have to be able to to not get killed in the passing game in in, in the secondary. Like, it is impressive the the stable of receivers that Oklahoma State has. But that is not the difference between winning and losing a championship. They had a bunch of really impressive receivers in 2016 in Norman, and and didn't pass and didn't throw the ball at all. I mean, it, yeah, and that was probably on Gundy. Yeah, that that probably was a little bit, and I guess that will we'll see how all that changes come November 8th. But uh, the the thing with Oklahoma's receivers, you look at the statistics from last year, four of their top five receivers are all gone. I just I, I think that you. I mean, they don't have a lot returning in, in guys that have actually done it. Talking about OU? Yeah. Well, and, and the loss of Joe Mixon in, in the passing game. He was second on the team in talked about last enough. year. Yeah. And I don't know that they really have a running back that can duplicate. I mean, Joe Mixon and DeMarco Murray are the two best receiving running backs that they've ever had. And, like, there was no... There was really nobody in between DeMarco Murray and Joe Mixon that you can point to and you say, oh, that was a really good you know, running back that they used in the pass game that I can think of. I, that would split out and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, Joe Mixon's one of the best receiving backs I've ever seen, period. Like, not OU, not what. Like, you're just not going to replace him. And, I mean, that that's kind of the same deal. Like, people want... Well, Jeff Bidette's going to be D.D. Westbrook, or this guy's going to be Joe Mixon. You're not going to do it singularly. It's going to have to be as the sum. You know, I mean, Mark Andrews is going to have to do a little more than he did last year. Jeff Bidette's going to have to help eat up some of D.D. Westbrook's yardage. Marquise Brown's going to have to provide some of the big plays that D.D. Westbrook had. Like, the, there are all those things, and it can be done. I just think everybody dying for Oklahoma to have that one clear-cut, you know, receiver option – I don't know that I believe in that. I think it's going to be a group of guys that are going to have somewhere between 30 and 60 catches all around, you know, 
400 to maybe 800 yards. I think it's going to be in that ballpark. You know, I something interesting today is I, I was talking this morning, I said, and I'm kind of, I think I've said this on the podcast, that I think Grant Calcaterra will be the guy that, in terms of true freshman, leads a team in catches. But the more I kind of hear from practice, the less I feel strongly about that because I think there's a possibility Sedarian Lamb will be that guy. Well, I, I, I mean, isn't it fair to also just say that he's not Grant Calcaterra is going to have trouble getting on the field with Mark, Andrews, of Mark Andrews in front of him. You know the diabetes issue and the shoulder issue he had a yeah. year ago, or diabetes I'm, didn't just it wasn't just a year ago. But I mean, he has a problem staying on the field, right? And I, I think he is probably, in my opinion, maybe the biggest, the biggest key to this all, whole offense. This whole outside of the obvious, outside of Baker Mayfield, I think Baker May, I mean, uh, Mark Andrews is the biggest key to this thing moving smoothly. Is that it, is that yeah, fair? Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair. And Josh, you uh, in your your number twelve in your fearless twenty. Ten true freshmen will play. That was your prediction. Although, you got the Swiss disease in there, Reeves Munchchow. <laughs> I don't know if that counts. You know, that that's one that I kind of keep waiting to hear something. But, I mean, I just feel like, and we talked about it all year last year on the podcast, like Austin Seibert, with whatever happened through the summer, whatever irritation clearly took place, and then you throw in a talented kicker like Munchau, who you're giving a scholarship to. Seibert, he... Seibert. I, damn it, I did it. I was sitting there, I was like, don't say it, don't do it. Seibert is a guy that seems like if you took, you know, whatever you'd feel like it is, if you, if you feel like he's going to be a great kicker, if we'll just take, you know, the punting duties away from him, or vice versa, however you want to look at it. I, I think he's clearly been a better punter in his career so far, but maybe that's just because, you know, the punting's messing with his field goal kicking, whatever. It has but either to one be. you want to I mean, take away, I feel like it's going to make him better. Yeah, no, I agree. If, if you can find some – take something off his plate. I mean, it's yep. not working. It, whether it is – if you can take punting off of his plate, then all he has to focus on is his kicking motion. And they're different – kickers have talked about this forever. They're different motions. Tress Way could not do it. I mean, he didn't want to do it. And he became a better punter as soon as he stopped trying to do it. And now he's in the NFL. Austin Seibert's a guy that that was a lot better as a true freshman in the first half of the season than he is right now. He's regressed as a kicker, and I think the smart thing would be to try. It's not even it's the right thing to do. Just take something off of his plate. He's the best guy that you have for kickoffs, and he's he's your best field goal kicker. I mean, you don't have another scholarship if you have a guy that's capable of punting the ball. And Seibert's been a really good punter, really steady punter. But, I mean, it's not like that's an impossible job to do. I mean, there are punters everywhere. Yeah. Well, I, I, I it, you know, with the first, only time that we've talked to Bullware this year, he he was very complimentary of of Reeves in the way that he yeah, was able to boot the ball. And if you look, if you really want to dive into the, the scrimmage notes that were released by OU last night, at one point they had to dig themselves out of a hole. You wonder if that was a punt or or how they, they really got down there, because I think they had a 44-yard uh, drive that stalled at the 42-yard line, so that had to have started at the two, right? I'm trying to go find the notes while we're sitting here. I, I definitely think that, you know, th those were two notes that probably get overlooked coming out of the scrimmage last night were the fact that Siebert made three for three. Seibert. Seibert made three. Well, 
<laughs> we'll 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 keep it there until he until he makes one in a game. But he was Let three for three last. <laughs> yeah, he needs to earn his name. He needs to earn, earn his, his stripes pronunciation back. back. Yeah, he needs to earn his stripes back. Uh, that's what that's what you get being from South, Southern Illinois. Uh, three for three though last night, and and then uh, and it seems like the punting is coming along. So I do think that they're going to take some load off of his uh, off of his plate. I, I do really think that that to. has that has to happen. Well, the interesting part about it, and I was trying to, I had it in my head when I was talking earlier. I wanted to make sure I had it right. My my memory was correct. Uh, Reeves Munchow is a guy that his trainer, that he works a lot with Jamie Cole, uh, one of the two big kicking experts. And Cole has come out and said he could be one of the best punters in the country. Well, if that's the case. Doesn't Cole take, say that about everybody, though, that uh, trains no, with I, him? I think, no, no. I mean, and I agree. But, like, I mean, I think he was their second or third rated punter in the whole country last year. So, I mean. He, he, he clearly believes that the kid is really good. But I will say, so if you do that, then you're taking Cybert away from the one thing that has been pretty successful so far in his career. Like, you feel like you'd want it to be, okay, we're going to take the kicking off your plate and let you just go be the great punter that you – that I think people kind of forget. Cybert's had some great kicks in his career. But they've just yeah. – everybody remembers him as the whole – Rather than being able to separate punting from kicking, I mean, he's on the Ray Guy preseason watch list. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not a good on the. Punter, he he's not on the. Uh, yeah, no, he is a good on punter. The Lou Groza. But the problem is, I think he could be a better kicker if he just took that off. If he took that off his plate. No, and I, you know, I this this will be blasphemy on the board, but if you go back and watch a lot of his kicks, especially last season, it's been a timing thing. It hasn't. It seems like he's taken. And I, I, I don't want to get into the science of a kicking because I really have no idea what I'm talking about. But it looks like there's been well, you play a lot of some, golf. some bad, bad I guess, not holds or bad snaps that have caused him to misstep. And especially the Houston one where he almost kind of hesitated before yeah. he kicked it. If you can get that kind of shit figured out, he could be a really good kicker. I still believe in the guy. You should probably stop saying shit what? now that you're doing more radio stuff. You're going to get fired. Oh uh, no, it'll be fine. Did you did you make sure that they had a dump button yeah. before you did your show? Full the other eight day? seconds, so we're good. But you know that thing has to have time to refresh. Well, I'm not going on a profanity. I know where I am right now, so we'll be we'll be fine. Okay, uh, I you know I think that's enough kicker talk for a day. I that's, mean, that's, you want to talk about on, boring? And that's kicker talk. Yeah, you want to talk about <laughs> people can can criticize us for not having enough gambling talk, but. If the criticism is real, if you want to say you talk kicking too much, we we have just reached our kicker allotment for the month of August. Uh, all right, uh, Josh, let's switch over uh, real quick, and we can come back and talk about uh, fall camp because I want to get to something. Uh, I I talked to uh, Bill Beedenbow. What day was that? Eddie Monday. Uh, By the way, it's been Tuesday. it's it's been kind of weird because here's what happened, um, and we're doing this. We're doing the podcast so. Th- it's it's past us now, but so they had the the scrimmage Tuesday night, and it was kind of a a weird deal because we were supposed to go and shoot photo video Wednesday morning, and then interview afterward. And word got out like somebody posed, I think it was uh, uh, Red Zone post on the board like oh, practice has been canceled for Wednesday. They're moving it to Thursday, and so. I checked with OU and I was like, "Hey, is there something going on with practice?" Because I had to make sure that I was had my radio stuff figured out so I could get there and take pictures and stuff. So there's a little ballet that I have to go through if it's going to be moved. And they said, "Well, yeah, we're going to send out something here in a little bit." 
and let you guys know. And so then I got a call later. It's like, hey, don't don't tell anybody that practice has moved. And I guess that Lincoln was going to kind of screw with the team or something and give them the day off. Like, So, like, they scrimmaged last night. Maybe he announced it last night after the scrimmage. I don't know. I'm guessing that's what happened yeah. was you guys had a good scrimmage or whatever. You get the day off yeah. tomorrow. So there was it was some mid day sort of- yesterday in Norman. We probably need to check the police reports, to be honest. It's not. I'll do that after we get off the podcast, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it, so they'll probably. I would imagine there'll probably be some little social thing that'll come out where you'll see him giving the the team the day. Although I don't know, that's a fine line because you're going to get some people that are like, "Why are you giving them a day off? They're already not going through two a days." <laughs> Which is, I mean, I think we did. We talk about this last week. I, I think that's turning out to be a bad thing. The no two not days. having two a days. I. Lincoln Riley talked about it a little bit on Friday when we had availability was just in the fact that, uh, you know, if he, he thinks that if it was up to the players, they would be having two a days. I think that it makes for a, a very long camp and that's, it's going to be interesting. I don't think, you know, it's not going to affect how they play on game days, but it is kind of weird just in that the entire preseason schedule is a little bit changed this year. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's, it's what they didn't anticipate is that it is more taxing to have it longer than it is to crunch it all. Like, yeah, it's like it's it must be kind of like attention spans. Like everybody, you know, you're on Snapchat, you're on Instagram, you're on Twitter. Like you're just doing everything at once. You're used to that now. Now when you take it and make it, you know, you're used to camp lasting a certain time and then you get into the game. So it's almost like. It's fooling people. It's it's messing with their heads because they're out there on the practice fields for so long. I mean, how are, how how long are they going? Like two hours, I guess. They start at about nine, go to about eleven fifteen. Yeah, they go like nine. Yeah, nine to eleven eleven fifteen. Yeah. Scrimmage for what an hour and twenty minutes last night on Tuesday. Just trying to think. Yeah, it's weird. It definitely is weird. But as long as you're healthy, I mean. That's all that really matters. Yeah, that's the most important thing. They And they haven't had anything that is just major outside of the Nick Basquin injury. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I want to talk about is, you know, we talked to Bill Biedenboe. Uh, I, I talked to him the other day, and I know Joshua won't be able to hear this, but uh, quickly, though, let's, let's talk about Oklahoma's latest commitment and kind of how that all went down. I know, Josh, you had been kind of predicting it or at least tracking it for a while, and you thought it was going to go this way. But, but uh, talk talk about Daryl Simpson a little bit. Well, you know, we talked about it a little bit on the podcast last week. and Just a guy that really is a, it's kind of the perfect opposite of Adrian Ely uh, from last year's class. Real raw, a lot of potential. While Ely's probably a left tackle, Daryl's more of a right. And I think... With Ely, you want to just see him develop his technique, kind of fill out his upper body. With Simpson, it's more about putting all the weight in the right places, letting him kind of physically develop uh, uh, in his upper body, him becoming a bigger, kind of more mauling type of right tackle. But he's a guy that has a world of potential. And I think it's it's one of those deals, kind of like we talk about sometimes we get into, you know, Phil Lodeholt's just a massive human being. People, you know, we, we're around these big guys all the time, and you kind of get desensitized to it. 
And then you get around someone that is truly massive, and you're like, that that's a large human being. Like a Cody Ford. Yeah, like you can be around like Bray Walker, and you're like, that's a big dude. And then you get around Daryl, and you're like, holy crap, that's a different thing. Like Daryl is just a massive guy, big and broad-shouldered, you know, really just a guy, like I said, that if you, it, it's so funny, and it was so stark to me when Bill Beanbow took the job. But it, every year, it, it just continues to surprise me because I got so used to Oklahoma looking for guys like Lane Johnson, or you know, even going all the way back to guys like Frank Romero, you know, converted tight ends, turning them into offensive tackles. And I've always kind of believed that's the best way to do it. But I can't argue with what Bill Beanbow's doing. He just goes and gets massive human beings and turns them into really good offensive linemen rather than trying to worry about, well, are they great athletes, you know, that kind of thing. That I mean, it, and that's not to say these guys aren't good athletes. I don't want people to misunderstand. But that's not the first thing he's looking at, and I think that's where I've always had to kind of get used to his way of doing things. But Daryl Simpson fits that to a T. I mean, he's a guy incredibly raw. He's going to need a year to redshirt. He'll need time. He's got to get in the weight room with Jerry Schmidt. I, I think when you watch his tape, you see a guy that you're like, wow, he moves really well for a guy that size. But when you watch him lock up with a defensive lineman, you don't see him just mauling people like you would kind of expect. And I think that's just a matter of uh, him being a big guy that maybe hasn't fully grown into his body yet. So that'll come. And how many guys? I mean, how many big guys is he going against, too? Exactly. Like, exactly. It's, it's kind of like just, when you watch Bray Walker and you see some yeah. of the kids that he goes up against, you're just like, I'm getting nothing out of watching this matchup. Yep. Oh yeah, I mean you're you're just watching a big dude beat you know beat on any of us. I mean it's just some average guy that'll never play after high school football. I mean, now, like when you watch goes. when you watch like Mark Jackson try and rush around Orlando Brown and then he you, you know, he swallows him up, then you're just yeah. like wow, like Orlando Brown is just a massive human being. Yeah, yeah. I mean even you know, Caleb like, Kelly, it, he swallows him up. Yeah, like I, the one of the ones I always go back to, Kerry, it's around the time I think you and I actually met way back when, was listening to Kevin Wilson talk about Tommy Harris and Davin Joseph going against each other in practice. So like, that's just good on good. You get to see what's real then, you know, because, and that's why we always put stock, you know, not to get on the side, but we get uh, put so much stock into all American games and big time camps because it's one of the few times you get to see a really legit offensive lineman go against a really legit defensive lineman rather than them just pummeling kids that aren't on their level. O, OU's recruiting class right now for the offensive liner, it's just insane to look at it almost. 6'6", 330, 6'6", and then Daryl Simpson, 6'7", 310. That's their, that's their 2018 offensive line recruiting class. And how and big's if, the kid at IMG? Uh, the uh, Ruben uh, Uni, how do you say N-O-J? it? N-O-J? Unoj. Unoj. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He is... Here. Six, 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 three, 300 300. Mm-hmm. So you yep. have you have to be like six five to play. How's Kyler Murray going to be a quarterback? Right oh, it, and I can flat out tell you that weight on Simpson, there is no way that's right. There's none. That he's I mean, three ten. He's more like three forty. If, if or he's something. three, you know, if he's three thirty, he's a pound. I mean, he he is a huge kid. Well, you talk about the way that that Bill Beedbo is recruiting. Uh, I love the name that everybody's come up with him uh, for him as Beaton Boss, and I, I don't know how it's spelled, but I do know this, and I'm gonna play a clip for you here. I had a chance to catch up with Bill Beatenbow on Monday. We talked about 
Beaten Boss, and if he knew about it. So here's uh, Bill Beatenbow. Are you aware kind of the nickname that floats around for I you? I see it, yeah. Beaten Boss? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> 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 I guess I guess people like Gabe and Ty probably don't let you. They, they probably they, let you, you know, know that that nobody, floats around. Nobody. Oh, I see you. See, I'm on Twitter all the okay, yeah. here all the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I gotta be. You know, people tweet that at you yeah, a lot. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. Every I mean, I every good coach has got to have a nickname, though, right? Yeah. I mean, heck, I don't. I don't really want everybody starting calling me around here, but I mean, if they <laughs> if that's what they want to do, then Ben Tyler said he'd never heard that nickname before, so I think you're you're safe. Well, in the locker room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, like I'm on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, you have to be. Yeah, you yeah. Be monitoring these kids, seeing the articles that are coming yeah. out, what what they're saying. What but if you got a nickname, I got to think. You know, I mean, hell, you're recruiting lights out, but I mean, if recruits see that you know the offensive line coach has a nickname. I don't know if they do or not. I mean, I'm sure some of them do. Yeah. Because some of these kids, you know, it's weird. I mean. You get the kids that are on Twitter all the time, you know, and really like the attention. Yeah. Which I'm not really fond of, but then you get the guys that they don't mess with it. You yeah. know what I mean? You yeah. message them, but yeah. they're not putting tweets out there. They're not talking about all the offers they have. They'll, they'll DM, but they're not yeah. a pub, they're not public yeah. with their yeah. Twitter. Yeah, exactly. So that's more me. Now, I'm on it, and I read it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And obviously, I put stuff out there because, you know, it's part of the deal. But, um, yeah, I've heard it. I've heard it. So yeah, he. Uh, I would say you can almost ding approval. Bill Beatonbow approves of Beaton Boss. Yeah, I think so. He is like he the, said he laughs his ass off. He is the the perfect example of a old school hard ass coach that has adapted and is reaping the benefits of it. And Don't that's you, actually a story that I'm working on right yeah, now. It's it's. I think everybody's going to be really excited to read it because I went through the audio today and put the video together, and it it is very very good. You can. Just listening to him, you can tell, like, damn, that's why he has probably the best offensive line unit in the country returning and maybe one of the best offensive line units in the country coming in. And and you know what? Like, Josh, what's interesting about Beanbow is you look at coaches that are old school, that coach hard. How many of those guys have we seen that have really – it's come back to bite them? I mean, Mark Mangino, uh, Kevin Wilson – I was trying to think of any other examples because we were having this talk on the board the other day of guys that were celebrating those types of coaches. Like, well, yeah, you can celebrate coaching hard and yelling at people all you want, but look at what's kind of happened. Was Ven- Venable, is he, is Venables in that category? He's adapted, though, I think a little he bit. He was never, he, he was never like a psycho crazy. I mean, he, he gets into you, and, and but he also knows how to, as they say, love you up. Right. Like, he, let kids always knew where they stood with Venables. Yeah. Like he would never let it get to the point where they were so frustrated that they hated him. Right. Like I think Kevin Wilson would sometimes do that. And when we talked to Beatenbow Josh, one of the things he says is we haven't had a problems with transfers here at offensive line, which they haven't. They haven't. I mean, and like you mentioned, you go back to those Mangino years, Kerry. It oh. would be like how are they going to feel the two deep? They were, they were just every year there'd be two or three guys that would just be gone. And, you know, we, I, I don't want to say that stuff was going on, but, you know, you kind of look back at what happened at Kansas and you wonder if there was some correlation because I think that's what it comes down to. And I think Bill hit it on the head. I, I, I was actually listening to some of the audio uh, that we've got loaded in that video that uh, Eddie was talking about. And it's, it's just, it's about letting these guys know you care. You know, it's not just about, 
you know, oh, go out there and do well for me, you know, that kind of thing. But like, I care about you. I want you to do. Th- I want you to do this drill well. I want you to play game well in the game because it will be good for you, not not because it's going to help my career. Or I'm going to do this and get on to the next job or whatever. And I think these kids feel that with Bill, and I think that's why he can ride them as hard as he does. And it's okay at the end of the day. You know, Carrie, you were bringing up some old school guys, and I don't think people would think of him this way, but I think a guy that really had his star really burning bright because he was a great recruiter, but people started to wonder about the very thing I was just talking about is Daryl Wyatt. I think Daryl Wyatt burned a lot of players out because he was such a love-em-up recruiter, and then once they got to campus, there wasn't, okay, come over to my house and we're going to have some dinner and you can meet my family. You know, like There wasn't that bond beyond the football field. Yeah. And, I mean, that's what it's come down to. I don't think it's so much as you have to kiss kids' ass all the time. I just think you have to be a better job at communicating, you know, once you have chewed them out to where they understand that you're doing it to try and make them better. And that's what a lot of the offense, like Orlando Brown's a really good example. Like he understood coaching because of his dad, uh, because of his relationship with Jamal Brown. But like a lot of kids like him, you know, comes from a, you know, a, a good family. Say if he had been like a single parent, you know, kid or something, and he didn't have that background of his dad, uh, you know, I think Orlando's a guy that he's different. I mean, he's yeah. just a different guy. Would, you know, would he in a, another circumstance, if he hadn't had that background, would he be a guy that you couldn't, that wasn't coachable like he is? I think there's something to that. And I think it's interesting how, one domino leads to another because, you know, you guys, we've talked about it on the podcast already, but when you talk to Adrian Ely, he thinks he wants to model his whole thing after Orlando Brown. So, you know, if he's having a tough day, you know, someday, whether it's, you know, while Orlando's still there, Orlando's gone, he can hit up Orlando and be like, man, you know, this was a brutal practice. Coach was on me, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you have that guy there to be like, no, man, just, just stick it out. If you'll stick it out, you can be where I am, which, yeah. you know, for Orlando, this time next year will probably be an NFL minicamp. And, and really, it goes with everybody. I talked to Ben Powers. I mean, all those guys on that line, Eric Wren. I mean, when they get those young guys in there, it's it's a culture. That's, yeah. that's really what it is. It's a culture, uh, and they help them understand, hey, you know, Coach B is a really good guy. He cares about you. He cares about us. He wants us he wants us to go to the NFL. Like he wants to make us as good as he can make us. That's why he pushes us so hard. Well, and you look at recruiting guys. I mean, that's part of oh. it too cuz these kids come to campus and they get to talk to, you know, Ben Powers, Eric Wren, Orlando Brown, you know, whoever you want to talk about. And these guys are like, "Yeah, man, practices are hard. They're brutal, but you know what? At the end of the day, coach has got your back. You know, he he's going to take care of you. You know, he's going to do what he can to help you." You know, be a man, be a better player. You know, whatever you want to, whatever you know, kind of analogy they want to draw, they can say that. And man, I, you know, I, I ask kids this all the time when I talk. You know, okay, this is what coach is telling you, and I'll come back or you know, kind of ask them, what, what did coach sell you on while you were there? Immediately, did you believe it? And sometimes you'll get a, oh, you know, I mean, it didn't exactly match up with what I thought or what I saw. But when a kid, when a recruit, or when excuse me, God, get it out. When a player tells them, it's unanimous. They always believe what a player tells them because they feel like they're walking in the same shoes. It's interesting to look, and this might be kind of a big picture thing, but just the relationship between Orlando Brown and Bill Biedenboe, I can't remember 
a and it might be more of a recency bias too is just a closer relationship between player and coach than Bill Beatenbow and Orlando Brown at least in Norman in the in the in the recent years and I guess Baker Mayfield and Lincoln Riley are kind of an example of that as well it seems like that's the kind of stuff when you look at the season moving forward or moving into the season that's the kind of stuff that I guess maybe people don't think that there's going to be a letdown between the transition between Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley because of relationships like that I think that I guess that kind of goes into the program more so than anything that makes sense or am I looking too far into that Yes, that to me or Josh? Just either of you. I'm trying to figure out what Josh's avatar is right now. It's some weird British dude. What is that, Josh? Or did we lose Josh again? No, I'm here. What what, what avatar are we talking about? On, on the message board. The old dude with the coffee. Oh, what is... God, what's funny is... You don't oh, even know what your that, own avatar is? I had to think about it. No, that's Bricktop from uh, Snatch. Okay. We had, we had had. I mean, something. I've watched that movie like one time because it's so hard to understand. I mean, it's a good movie oh, and everything, God, but I'm not Snatch. putting up avatars up from it. Wow, I said that sentence too. We had one off the air that was even worse, but that one was just as bad. So, all right, let's move forward. I don't know what's going on right now. I don't either. <laughs> what did you? I guess I didn't hear what you said. Good, all for the better. Brick we'll, we'll Snatch. Hear, you'll hear it on the replay. Yeah, I made a comment on how much I enjoy that movie, but I included the movie's title in it, and that's just it, it, I can the board is going to erupt. I, I, I'm going to be pretty confident. The movie about that. Snatch, right? Is that what yes. we're talking about? Okay. Yes. Oh, it's it's it, it's the perviness of the board that's going to bring this home. So. Okay. All right. So, anyway, uh, I know. <laughs> Josh, you you put some stuff up about uh, everyone's favorite subject, linebacker recruiting, and one Brian Asamoa. Yep. Do we want I, to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know you got stuff for scoop, but sure, no, no, no. But just yeah, kind of what you're. It, it sounds like what you're saying is things are moving in a positive direction there. Yeah. Last week when we talked about this, I mean, I really I didn't have anything new. It was all ever. It felt like a waiting game, and that's. I mean. From the outside looking in, that's still what it is. I think everybody's just kind of waiting to see what's going to transpire. But talking to several people, I get the impression that maybe he is strongly leaning toward Oklahoma. And I I, I don't want people to get the wrong impression here. I think his parents just want to either let him have some time to think about it, you know, let him kind of come away from that visit a couple weeks ago to the barbecue and think, you know, okay, is is this what you really want to do? And not let it be a post-visit high commit and then realize oh it's really far from home and i think also they might want to see it for themselves go with him on an official visit something like that so what's interesting is i don't know if that's going to mean does he wait until they can see it to uh, to take an official visit or excuse i'm sorry to take uh, to make a commitment or do they instead try go ahead and make a decision and say hey we're going to come with you on your official maybe he takes another official to pittsburgh uh, that's where it gets kind of a vague right now. But I definitely think, based on what I've been told, in that probably in his mind, I don't know that he's made the decision, but it looks pretty heavy in Oklahoma's direction. Just got to get mom and dad on board. Y- yeah, I mean, and that and that's understand. I mean, you know, that I don't, I didn't get the impression that anybody felt this was a situation where mom and dad were against the decision so much as you know just making sure he made the right choice. 
By the way, uh, any thoughts on uh, one Jean Delance decommit or transferring out of Texas? Just funny how stuff works out, isn't it? Wow. Uh, and torn. they seem blindsided by it. Really? Like Texas did. Well, did you see earlier in the week that Herman made some comment about we've got some varsity guys or some scholarship guys or something that are going to be on the scout team? And everything I've gathered, he was going to be one of them. And I think that's where the immediacy came down. That's why it happened so fast. And Processed. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, I mean, and this is... You know, I was talking earlier about how much I love a certain type of offensive tackle. He's the kind of tackle I love. I mean, you you go back and look at that guy's high school tape, his feet, his length. I mean, everything about him screamed just massive potential. But I hated what he did. I mean, I just I, I hated what he did. It was obvious he was yeah. flipping. And then to use the SAE thing it was a very as a crutch, move. it was just bullshit. I mean, yeah. Yeah. it just was. I'm really torn, and because you guys have said this, I guess I feel more comfortable as I'm not going to be just dogging the kid. I, I, have I told the story of he and I interacting after that whole thing happened? No, but I, I, I remember, I, for, I think maybe you were on vacation or something, and I called him, and he mm-hmm. seemed like a really nice guy, and it was, it was right after he got his offer from OU, and you know he, he was really fired up about OU then, and I thought, oh, that's a, that's a really good kid. And for you know a high school kid, he was really... I thought well spoken, and and I came away after talking to him the first time, thinking I, I like that kid. And I did too. My my first dealings with him were all really good. It was, and it really even at the time that things got a little, you know, like you guys were talking about, where it kind of got to looking like okay, it's going to be Texas, just a matter of when. Everything was okay. I mean, he would get back to me. He wasn't snotty. He wasn't, you know, there, there was nothing bad. And then the SAE thing happens. And I, I remember I couldn't get him on the phone, and I, you know, that's that's not that unusual. The kids, you know, like I always tell people, if I'm getting a guy on the phone, the chances are he's pretty interested in OU. If I can't get him on the phone, that usually says something too. Yeah. So we're we're going through the whole deal, and I, and I kind of reference this on the board, but I guess the pod's a perfect place to actually tell the story. So I had read an article. Somebody had uh, one of the Dallas newspapers had actually gotten a hold of him. And had done a story, and I can't remember the exact way he worded the quote, but he said something like, it's a very personal issue for me, um, in, in a way that made it sound like maybe like his family had gone through something very specific. You know, like yeah, I do remember been, that, yeah. You know, like his mother, you know, I don't, I don't even want to guess what it was. I just got the impression that it was not just a general, you know, I'm a black young man that's dealt with racism, but like a, a bad story was in there somewhere. And I thought, you know, because there was all the teeth gnashing and everybody was getting upset. And I thought, well, maybe this, you know, he can kind of explain it. You know, he, he can say, guys, this is why this is such a big deal to me. So I reached out to him and I said, hey, you know, man, I was reading the article. I just kind of wanted to see, you know, w- what happened here. I wanted to, you know, give you a chance to tell your story. And he said, have you ever heard of slavery? <laughs> and and that was his exact response. And I was, and I was like, Are, yeah, yeah, I have, man. And it's an awful thing. But, you know, and I, if I remember right, it was something about, like, my mother ha- has gone through something. I was like, and it was everything in me. I don't want to cross any lines. I want to be really careful with what I'm saying. But 
I was like, that wasn't your mother. Like, I don't know what that has to do with the quote I'm talking about. Like, that's awful and it's terrible and, you know, I, I understand all of that. But it was such a weird response. And so I kind of tried to talk around it and he just kind of kept coming back with, you know, just shitty comments like that. Like, I was some idiot. And so I was like, dude, uh, best of luck to you. Like, I just kind of, like, signed off. I was like, uh, I... I knew it wasn't going to be OU. I knew there was no need for him and I to ever talk again. <laughs> so I just kind of walked away from it. But it was, I was like, dude, what are you talking about? If, no, I, I, I'm the one person in America that's never heard of it. So to say that you were happy when you, when you saw that he failed at uh, Texas here recently, would that be <laughs> accurate to say that you didn't smile a little bit? No, I mean, I don't care. Like, you guys know me. I'm, I'm pretty upbeat about my, like, I don't carry that kind of stuff around with me a lot. But it was just, it was so out of left field, and it was so just, uh, I can only think of one other recruit that ever had a a worse, just kind of out of nowhere moment with me, and that goes back to Sir DeMarco Bledsoe from like 2005. Wow, I That's an that awful name. story, which I literally cannot repeat on the air. Um, but... Uh, it, it was it was just like one of those things where I was like, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, kids that act like that, it's not coincidental that they usually don't work out in college because they just don't have the maturity to get through all the other stuff. They can't just be a great football player and that's enough. Right. I thought it was interesting. I think this is something we're talking about because you know, OU, they have a policy and they've had it for a long time, talking about kids that flame out. It's an it's not a football policy. It's it's a university athletic policy that they have a drug policy that they follow and they do random drug testing. And they've lost a lot of guys. I mean, like uh, what was it, uh, Kenyon Friesen, uh, Friesen, whatever. I mean, he clearly had hit the you know the drug policy situation. Like that's multiple why he, offender. Yeah, multiple offender. Uh, Atari Bird, I'm pretty sure, did the same thing. Or tested for something really bad, um, but we've seen guys flame out because OU has a non-negotiable drug policy, and like you see, you hear all the stuff that happens like in other places, like LSU, where guys will fail. Who was the guy at Alabama that admitted he failed like three drug tests when he's a freshman or something? That just happened was that the recently, rush didn't it? Yeah. The guy that was drafted fairly high. Was it Tim Williams? The guy that had all the trouble just kind of slipped on draft night? I think it was Tim Williams. But anyway, like, so other schools just have these open-ended drug policies that they don't have to enforce. And the NC, was that Eddie, you're shaking? Yeah, it was Tim Williams, yeah. So they can do whatever they want, and they can discipline however they want, and it's not against NCAA rules for you to flunk 20 tests for marijuana. Like, unless it's an NCAA, like if it's, a, if you go to an NCAA sanctioned event, like the college football playoff, then you are drug tested. That was, what was it, the guy for, didn't Clemson lose the Kane, the Noah Kane guy? Yeah. That way? Well, I, I believe so. It was him and two other guys, the yeah. receiver Desmond and Kane. Desmond, Desmond Kane, Kane. Yeah. Not Noah, Noah Kane. Kane's a running back, yeah. Um, but, like, if, so, and like Mitch, Mitch McGarry, like he got suspended for a year. Because he flunked a drug test at the NCAA tournament. Right. And he's still smoking a lot of weed to this day. He smoked himself out of the NBA. So, like, Michigan obviously had the worst drug policy ever. So you figure this stuff out. It just came out that 
Baylor didn't even drug test before 2016. Like, how bad was that factory down there that uh, that Art Bryles was running? I'm, I'm how never out of control. I'm was never that place? surprised by anything that you hear coming out of Waco or that happened in Waco during the Art Bryles era. Like, I I fully expect them to come out and say that there are piles of dead hookers somewhere in Waco, and Art Bryles killed all of them. <laughs> Which makes Chris Robinson's decision to join his son an interesting one. Yeah, that, that's going to be a very it's going to be a very interesting situation in uh, in Boca Raton. I, I pray for the blondes of Boca Raton every he night. He is he is building up. Lane Kiffin is building something that is going to burn itself to the ground in the most glorious fashion that we've ever seen. <laughs> Maybe with him never rebounding from it. You think? Can we go? Should we go ahead and just? Like earmark this as like a 2023 20, 30 for 30. Like FAU, yeah. like you well, know, I mean, but the, the thing is like what's most likely to happen is he's gonna bring all these guys in there, all these uh mercenaries, if you will, and you know, Robinson's one of them, unfortunately. But he's gonna and he's gonna try and win really fast with them, and when he does, he's bolting for a real job somewhere. And, and act- leaving that mess behind and whoever's going to take that over and and kendall bryles is in the kendall bryles is in the middle of this it's not surprising a guy that that was part of one of the worst cultures administrative cultures in college football history at baylor it's it's amazing to me that more of that baylor staff doesn't have show cause tags on them they should well, they, that's they, probably why a lot of them ended up in D3 ball. I mean, is Kendall Browns is the only one that really landed on his feet, isn't he? Well, Did Phil Bennett just Eddie, retire? I mean, if you, depending on how far you want to look back at all that, there's one that's uh, the head coach at your uh, favorite university in the state. Yeah, that's Tulsa, true, yeah. and they just had a player that was convicted. Uh, there's one or two that's currently on Tom Herman's staff. Okay, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yep. Well, I, I guess I did realize that looking back well, the at two the guys, Herman thing. The two guys that came in uh, for, uh, 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 why can't I remember their last coach's name? Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong. It was uh, Gary was in my head. The two guys that came in from Baylor for for from Tulsa for Charlie Strong, like they didn't have they they were uh, Art Browse Houston, and then they went and did their own thing. Like they were never part of the Baylor thing. But those are those the guys that stuck around? I thought. Hang on, let me. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. I sure thought I had that right, but that's that could be right. Um, but yeah, the the guy that well, I don't want to throw the was name it the out Sterling the Sterling guys who I'm thinking of. Yes, that Sterling. that was. Uh, let's see. Who are yeah, okay? That. The best part about Florida Atlantic is he's doing it all in Howard Schnellenberger Stadium. <laughs> Just burning that thing Just, to the ground. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I mean, people say that that place is incredible. Boca Raton? Or, yeah. Yeah, the, I, I've the heard. campus yeah, and I've everything. Heard, very nice town. That, Carrie, you're dead right. I'm still stuck on the old staff at Texas. I, I, I apologize to all the guys there because, actually, the guy in the position I thought it was um, is actually a guy with a bunch of Oklahoma ties. So I, I don't want to okay. burn anybody down. So that, that was – the Texas part was wrong, but yes, the man at Tulsa, there's still it, it. It surprises me more questions don't get asked to him. Man, it's Tulsa, let's, it's let's be honest, yeah, community sports. As you, as, I'm glad sports. that you said it, but he's at Tulsa. No one cares. I didn't even talk about the guy that got 
you know, got uh, charged with, you know, sexual assault. Today. Yeah, the Will Barrow. Yeah. It's really weird. It was from Skyline, right? Right. We, we yep. saw him as a freshman during a spring game, I think, or during a spring practice, if I remember correctly, Josh. Was yeah, that, to, we went down and see Ty me. Barrett, right? Yeah, we were there to see Ty Barrett that day. You're exactly right, Eddie. Um, you know, that's it, it tells you how crazy things were. I mean, that Skyline used to be a place you had to go by every year. I mean, they, they were always going to have six, seven D1 guys in their, just in their senior class. And now, well, as soon as Coach Samples left to go to Duncanville, who's now starting to become a program, Skyline's falling off the map. You know, I mean, you, you don't hardly ever hear of anybody at Skyline anymore. Whatever happened to Rashard? He transferred from Oklahoma State down to Houston? Did he? Is that I think right? That's right. I think he sat out last year. Okay, well, that makes sense. So, so he's, he'll right. be like a junior or something next year? Yeah, that should or be Or this right. year? So he could be playing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, they, yeah, he's Houston on the, got another good one from TCU. Uh, the, uh, yeah, Isaiah Chambers. Uh, Isaiah Chambers, yeah. It's, that was a big one for them. I, yeah, he is on the uh, – he is a senior, and he's on the Houston uh, – okay, he transferred in 2015. He sat out due to uh, NCAA transfer sanctions and then uh, – or transfer rules. And then 2016, he got injured and did not play, but he'll be a senior this year uh, down at Houston. Surprise, surprise, another player getting injured under the – Tom Herman leadership. Uh, um, well, he's in the major <laughs> Applewhite leadership now. Well, no, he was hurt last okay, year. Okay, okay. Uh, Josh, let's let's talk about something that popped up on the board, and it's just been really strange because I, everybody's been trying to get a handle of this LSU transfer. Uh, I know you know someone put on the board that they heard that he was leaning towards OU, and uh, you were checking into it. What can you tell us about uh, the another name I can't pronounce? Okay, I'll take my bet. I think it's Maya Tuahima is is the way I Bless you. understand to pronounce it. Yeah, yeah, it's um, you know it, it's it's a double edged sword for us guys because OU fans want OU guys or OU to recruit the uh, Poly guys better, but if they do, we are going to have some embarrassing moments on this podcast. <laughs> we, but, all, um, we all need to go to like speech speech class. <laughs> seriously, um, but people no, are still trying to figure out Joseph Ibaloye Ibaloye. See, I even screwed it up. Uh, yeah, I should say, I, I literally had him tell me how to say it correctly three times, and I still don't think I, I ever said it right I myself. I feel like I can master Nigerian names a lot better than Polly names. Yeah, I feel like there's more variation even within the way um, the Polynesians poly say it. Yeah. Like, one Polly guy may say it different than another guy, and I think that's why it gets there's confused. Kind of, yeah, there's sometimes. kind of a roadmap with uh-huh. you know guys uh-huh. that you know, are native, or their parents you know moved over from Nigeria. Yep, yep. Um, anyway, to, to the uh, to Ahima, what I understand, and I actually talked to the member that you're talking about last night, and he was told, uh, I don't, I don't want to go into too much detail, but I, I got the impression that he'd got it from kind of a second level source. You know, it wasn't, you know, it, it certainly wasn't something I would have written off if I was him. But talking to a few more people, I don't. If if he has decided on Oklahoma, what I have been told is they do not know about it. Hmm. So now, with the way that kid handled his recruiting and everything else, it wouldn't shock me if, if that was the case. You know, if he was kind of getting everything in a row, I think maybe there is some paperwork to go through here. That there's some things they're trying to make sure of. I know, as of last week, I was told he was still working on a couple of summer courses that were going to get him. They're basically going to get him right at LSU, which is what I think started the whole problem. And then LSU just kind of went to immediate suspension, and I think that probably upset him. 
and that that's kind of where I think things started to go off the rails. Um, but with Oklahoma, I get the impression if he got through these courses, he was going to be good to go as far as a transfer if he wanted to make it. Oklahoma, from what I understand, would absolutely take him. Um, and I, to me, I think it's pretty clear that's the direction he's leaning. Um, but I don't, like I said, if he has made that decision, he has not made it clear to Oklahoma. And so at that point, we kind of have to say, you know, let's let's touch the brakes a little bit here. And I mean, the other thing is, like, you still have the uh, Unijay on the hook. I mean, are, are you, I, I know it's not. Is it even same position? No, I I think Tuahim is a guard. Okay. I, you know, I I think. Don't get me wrong. I think he could play right tackle, and if you know things went, you know, maybe it just it, it would be dependent on what you wanted to do with Samia and all that stuff moving into next year. But I think he probably plays as a guard, which is why it's kind of interesting. I mean, does Oklahoma really need that guy? I mean, is that how they're going to see that? But I mean, I think it's just a matter of. He's too talented. I know a couple of years ago, there there are a few players that OU would have rather had. They really, really wanted him in that 2015 class. So this is not a uh, a crazy thing. And I think it bodes well that Oklahoma does have some pre-existing relationship with him. They were, If there was any school that I think really turned his head away from LSU, it was Oklahoma because there were several times he nearly took an official visit. He, kind of, you know, he, he stayed in constant contact with OU. So I, I think there is reason to think, but I think he's definitely a guard. I don't think there's any relationship with Unajay. My general feeling is that Oklahoma still wants to take one more tackle in this class. I don't know that the numbers are going to work, but I think if in a perfect world, that's what they'd like to do. Does his interest in Oklahoma have anything to do with just flat out being able to understand the head coach and not needing subtitles <laughs> when he talks? Well, you, God, you guys, yeah, would you like to hear Ed Orgeron try to say that name? Oh, he probably doesn't. He probably just calls him a hey, big fella. Yeah. Hi. Or just I, blah. I, <laughs> just you know, blah. I've heard people that say, like, they think Orgeron plays that up. I've literally met the man. I ran into him at one of Marvin Wilson's games last year. That dude does not play it up. Like, he, you know, I was sitting there. It was at halftime, and he walked past me. I was working on, I think I was putting something on the board. He literally is like the volunteer coach on uh, Waterboy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's exactly. Exactly. I, I don't give him credit enough to be smart enough to be playing with people. That thing just screams disaster at LSU. I, Josh, you, Terry, you I posted you about, something yeah. like that, didn't you? I tell you, I told you I talked to uh, you know a guy that you know that's around that LSU program, and it, it, it sounds bad. I mean, trailer uh, trailer crash came up several times. Like it's train wreck. Or, uh, tra- train wreck. God, I don't know why I got trailer. Train wreck came up several times. It's. It sounds like that thing's just going to burn down. Yeah, the whole media thing that they put out where there's no media access at all. And, so weird. And the SEC has been, I mean, they are the leaders of that stuff. Of closing of, everything down? No, no, no. Of, of opening being things accessible. Up. Right. Like, yep. hey, welcome, media. Come, come, you know, promote us. Right. And it's worked. Oh, it's been, ge- I mean... It was something, what did somebody say? There was somebody who was talking on the board the other day about how um, surprised they were with how Ruffin McNeil has been received by not only the fans, but the media. Well, it's amazing what you can win with a little bit of honey instead yeah. of giving everybody vinegar all the time. Like, you, you don't have, 
It's like always, you know, it kind of takes me back. I remember when everybody was like, oh, the media's out to get Barry Bonds, blah, blah, blah. Barry Bonds was a dick to every media yeah, member for he was. 10 years. Like, you gave them an axe to grind, and then once they could, they did. So it, it just, I, I don't, I never understand the media relations that think distancing yourself or making an enemy of the media is the best way to go. That's why everybody was so surprised when. Tom Herman did what he did on the 40 acres in his first month of and a half on campus. Don't stand behind me, Eddie. Don't those, do it. Those, I mean, and Eddie can attest to this. A lot of those, I mean, I don't think it gets talked about enough. Look, Oklahoma on the beat, you have homers. I mean, some of the web guys, um, you know, I wouldn't say, I mean, well, let's just say they are there. But they're not, they're kind of shunned a little bit. Like you can't, you can't walk around just being Mister. Like Robert Allen would be shunned to death if he were covering. Like at OSU, you can kind of get away with that stuff. The thing that always strikes me as funny is like the Texas media loves Texas, right? Like, and they don't have to, they don't have to really uh, hide it because there's so many things to cover in Texas. Like if you're covering Texas constantly. You want to do it because you love Texas, usually. And, like, I love Sean Clinch, but Sean Clinch loves Texas. Very much. And he was in Oklahoma City. He's a really good dude. Sweetest, one of the sweetest men you'll ever meet. But, like, he, does, he, he covers Texas from a perspective of, I love Texas. I'm going to cover you. And, like, for, for Tom Herman, they're not the Rockets. They're not the Spurs. They're not the Texans. They're not the Cowboys. I mean, if you're at Texas, you are a big-time program, but... You like Mac Brown? Everybody loved Mac Brown, and Mac Brown was guarded he when he needed care to of be. Everybody. But yeah, he he was he was a politician. There's no reason for you to be a dick to the media in Texas. No, they're there for you. For you, yeah. <laughs> now I know people in Oklahoma. They, I mean, now with the Thunder, I think people get kind of butt hurt, like. Uh, you know, you're not covering us as much or whatever. And in Stillwater, it is kind of a little bit more of a, you know, bunker down mentality. It's like, are you one of us kind of thing? Uh, in Norman, I think it's just, it is, historically, it's been the biggest thing to cover in the state. Now the Thunder are right up there. So they're, they're not getting as much coverage. But, I, you know, I think TV stations still kind of, Tell the tale. Like, we see a lot of TV stations still covering OU, and I think that's a good thing for OU. Oh, TV never, stations cover the Thunder all the time. That's a good thing for the Thunder. I think the TV stations know what pays the bills, and that's college football, yeah. especially during this time of the year. And I mean, you'll get, your, you'll get your Thunder news every once in a while, and especially out of the Oklahoman who, you know, does a good job of covering the offseason and, and Russell yeah. Westbrook's latest move every time. But, and they've got two beat writers, so right. I mean, that's what you need. Right, I mean, but they still, I mean, if if OU's winning, if Oklahoma State's winning, and they're in the national title hunt or in a Big 12 title hunt against each other this year, that's all you're going to hear about, even yeah. when the Thunder start. Yeah. I just hate that they're starting October 19th. It's different. A month early, I guess? Is it's it about just, a month early? No, I mean, it, during OU Texas is usually when the Thunder have their first preseason. Like, yeah. one year they played in Dallas, their preseason game against I the think Mavericks. the night before, right? The night before yeah. uh, Red River rivalry. So, I don't, know, I, just, I, I don't know how I went off on that tangent. But uh, anyway, 
Josh, anything more on recruiting you want to throw? Because I know uh, we got to get out of here pretty quick. No, I mean, you know, it, it is it is what it is. Oklahoma's staying in contact with a few guys. I don't, I don't really expect a lot to happen before the season starts. Once guys can start taking visits, uh, you know, we're gonna we're obviously we'll do a pod next week. But you know, for those that maybe it's it's gonna happen right around the time when all my travels going crazy. I'm going to Phoenix next weekend to see guys we've talked about: T.J. Pledge, or Ruben Unage, uh, Spencer Radler. Uh, Noah Kane. I mean, there are a lot of guys I'll get to see that are kind of right at the top of OU fans' wish list and kind of get some answers from them on a lot of different stuff. So I'm kind of anxious to see um, uh, how that goes uh, next, uh, I guess, about eight days from now. I'm ready to see some some good pictures, Josh. You know it. I got the camera already. I think you can can set a new bar. Jalen Redmond set the bar. Now I've just got to try to get back to it, you know. Uh, all right, uh, and nobody steal them. Before we get out of here, we want to talk ouch. any of the facility stuff, Gary. I think uh, we could do that, uh, but we'll do that next time. We got we got more time. We're we're already pressing. I wanted to get to uh, one final thing, uh, and I don't. I'm I'm going to start doing this just because it seems to spawn uh, more reviews, which we enjoy. Some jackweed gave us a two star recently. Uh, because we haven't had on any, his reasoning was, let's see, let me go find this. Uh, where is it? Here's the Jack. Jack Weed is named Germinator. One, two, three, four, three, two, three, four, three. See, he really cares about that. Um, also, uh, he gave us two stars because he said, sup, <laughs> get that man on the podcast. The dude who snuck into the BBQ, Dude, story cool. I don't. I maybe think this he thought is the point where I don't get the, to say anything. Maybe he thought two was the highest. Maybe he thought one was that, like it was DefCon. We'll, we'll give him a one. <laughs> I think they're number one. Uh, no, you what can surprise You me. can rip on somebody for giving us two star. We don't know that this is a OU fan. Okay, well, no, I'll stop that. Uh, <laughs> Blank you, Josh the Sooner fan, uh, said that uh, I really enjoy this, this podcast. He gave us four out of five stars. Thank you, Josh. Uh, found my alias. But four out of f- we we didn't get five stars. I'll, well, I'll tell you why. Okay, here's the here's the review. I really enjoy this podcast. These guys have a lot of knowledge and the inside scoop on all things OU football. Well, thank you. I mean that that sounds like five stars so far. Their football conversation is worth five stars. I gave them four stars instead of five because in quite a few of the podcasts. They go on long discussions about topics such as which player slash coach has an athletic head. The guys are funny. See? Five stars to me. But when they get on one of these topics, I usually fast forward until I hear them talking about football again. Definitely recommend the podcast. This you is know, me flipping like a podcast you off right now. Sewer. What's that seems that, like Eddie? a guy that takes podcasts really seriously. So I think a four out of five... For from him, maybe worth more than a five from some people. It's the only four star rating that we've we got seventy six five star ratings. Mm-hmm. One four star, one two star, and one one star. It's like an Alabama recruiting class. And the <laughs> one the one star was too much of a wuss to give a review. He just one started. I bet it was an OSU fan or a Texas fan or someone else that does a podcast that hates us. An OU podcast. Very first re- review we ever got. 
from Pizza Booty. The Sooner Scoop, Scoop crew are consistently great. So there, there is our reading of those the are the ones that I show my mom on iTunes. <laughs> those are the ones I show my mom. So anyway, I uh, also want to mention uh, email Josh McQuistion. Uh, we do this podcast for free. We'll just say we're sponsored by SoonerScoop.com. We'll sponsor ourselves. Uh, you guys, football season is here. Camp is here. The stories are flowing. The videos are out there. The recruiting is slow, but it's now starting to pick back up as the season gets going. Uh, we want you guys to be a part of it. Uh, email Josh McQuistion, josh at SoonerScoop.com, for some special deals that we've got going on right now uh, if you want to subscribe. If, if you want to subscribe, we'll find a way to make it happen. We'll find a deal for you. Uh, to get you on. And really, the Crimson Corner, we're all on there constantly right now. Uh, even me, which is... Would you guys say that I'm in rare form right now? On the, football, on the boards? Football mode. Football mode has taken over. August is we a had a month. We had an argument yesterday about this podcast that was like 90 threads long. Eddie's not talking because he doesn't want to say anything bad and get in trouble again. We know how I feel about losers. He didn't call anyone a loser. He just said he doesn't like them. Uh, that's just a blanket statement. Yeah. Uh, Eddie, good luck with your radio career. Thank you. You're I doing a fantastic it. job. Thank you. Working for the station that I'm not supposed to talk about. <laughs> we knew you win. Uh, yes. Don't do anything to get yourself fired from two jobs. That's, yeah, that's my advice to you. I can handle that. I can handle that. You are much more muted. Like, you're not full-blown podcast, Eddie. Well, I'm just waiting to uh, get back in the swing of things. Then you Let bygones be Eddie. bygones, yeah. Let bygones be bygones, and then you're something You're saying you're, you're gun-shy right now. A little gun-shy. A little gun-shy. But I will say, I will say that the, the whole thing about Oklahoma State putting the 1945 thing on their stadium, I'm so way above that. I, I really could care less what people put on that. It's like kind of the flavor of the week. Uh, today on Twitter is like bashing OSU for doing that. I really don't care. Is that okay to say? Yeah. Will that, will that upset people? <laughs> like, Probably. I'm, I'm just completely above it. Whoa, I'm better than that. You're better than that. Yeah. You're above it. I like it. It's like maturity from you, Eddie. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. We're coming around. Uh, I can tell you from experience, just saying whatever you want all the time is not always fun. <laughs> it's a little freeing, but ass chewings do come. Well, yeah, they they do. And then you got to deal with long emails, and it's just it's a it's a nightmare. We're Sometimes. coming around though. Football is near, and and we won't have to uh, worry about it anymore. Okay, well that's gonna do it for this podcast. Josh has to get off to swim class. I'm I'm I, I'm I'm sorry and or thankful. I don't know which way to feel about this that we didn't have any Laney stories today. I miss them, but you know the people hate them apparently, Josh. <sighs> It is sad. Poor Laney. She's just not getting the metrics and reviews that we needed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're uh, an unpopular kid. Learn, learn to be disappointed. It's going to keep happening. <laughs> Deal uh, with heartbreak, child. <laughs> All right, Josh. Uh, I, no, I, I do feel bad. I wish we... We might have to do an emergency podcast to talk facilities and Josh's babysitting. Because we yes, didn't get that, the, there's some that's the failure of the shared. podcast today. All right, mm -hmm. thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. We'll let you get to swim class. Thank you to Eddie. Thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, go check us out on iTunes and email Josh, Josh at SoonerScoop.com, for some special deals if you want to sign up for a membership at SoonerScoop.com. I promise you, it is totally worth it. We'll see you guys next time on the Unofficial Forty.